Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. It's not the first lesson you learn in this business, but it may be the most important. People are different. They don't all think the same way you do. More important, they don't all have the same taste in movies you do. You find this out when you start enthusing about a movie you've just seen and notice your companion's eyes start to glaze over and realise you reacted exactly the same way when one too many people try to get you excited over a recent popular blockbuster. I'm putting in a chase sequence. Uh, so the killer flees on horseback with the girl, the cops after them on a, on a motorcycle. And it's like a battle between motors and horses, like technology versus horse. The worst trap a reviewer can fall into is to assume everyone agrees with you. Is there a phrase that raises the hackles quite as effectively as we all, as in we all love Adam Sandler, don't we? And we all remember that marvellous track on the second Spice Girls album and... Frankly, we're all unanimous that Barbie is the greatest movie of 2023. Hey, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Well, of course we aren't. If you weren't already pretty Barbie-friendly going in, there's a good chance that movie sailed past you. I also know people who consider it a badge of honour that they've never seen a single Marvel Comics movie, or Mission Impossible, or even Star Wars. I saw him, I saw him. Saw what? Star Destroyer cool coming right at us. Sir, sir. Shut him up or shut him down. Check the deflector shield. Believe it or not, a close friend of mine has not only never seen Jane Campion's classic The Piano, but has no intention of ever seeing it. Do we all recoil from this Philistine in horror? Well, not all of us, I suspect. And looking at this week's selection, it's clear they're all aimed at rather specific audiences. There's another North American Korean immigrant story following on the heels of Minari and Past Lives called Rice Boy Sleeps. Mom, can I ask you something? What is it? Can I tell you about my dad? I don't want to talk about Why won't you ever tell me anything about him? The title, Rice Boy Sleeps, comes from an album by a fairly obscure Icelandic musician called Jonzi. Do audiences need to know him? Well, we'll see. By contrast, there's the latest from the ultra-commercial director Matthew Vaughan, a spy romp with more twists and turns and a Florida snake farm. It's called Argyle. Who told you that we were coming? Who? Yeah. You don't answer, you're going to be the same temperature as my coffee right now. Which, thanks to you, is ice cold. Can you have too many smart Alex switches and reversals? 
Well, we'll see that too. But first, a story of the woman behind the most famous man in rock and roll. But is there more to the life of Priscilla Presley than that? Hi. What's your name? Priscilla Boyer. You like Elvis Presley? Of course. Who doesn't? The story of Priscilla, the former child bride of Elvis Presley, turned celebrity and for a while popular film and TV star, is essentially one of expectations met. Once you know it's directed and co-written by Sophia Coppola, you pretty much know what to expect. Sophia seems to have been making the same movie most of her career. What are you, you, about a a junior or senior in high school? Ninth. Ninth. Ninth what? Grade. The story is usually that of a young girl who marries someone successful, only to be ignored, trapped in a gilded cage. Well, that was certainly the case in Lost in Translation and Marie Antoinette, and unsurprisingly in Priscilla. After all, it's one of the best-known bits of the Elvis story. It's not like you imagine. Well, if you're new to the Elvis story, his career took off spectacularly in the late 50s with some terrific records and a dynamite stage show. Then he got called up and served in the army for a year or so in Germany, where he met the daughter of another serviceman. Her name was Priscilla Bollier, and she was 14 years old. And we have here? Oh, Elvis, this is Priscilla Bollier. Why are you saying maybe we go somewhere higher? So, of course, the question on everyone's mind is a variation of what's going on here. She's 14, he's 24 and the king of rock and roll at the very start of the whole rock and roll business. In fact, Priscilla's dad does ask that question. Just what is the intent here, Mr. Presley, that you got? Women throwing themselves at you. Why my daughter? I happen to be very fond of your daughter. And the answer in real life, as in this movie, is the rather unsatisfactory, don't worry about it. Having corralled Priscilla to himself during his time in Germany, Elvis returns home, telling the teenager to wait for his call. I'm just afraid you'll forget me. I'm not going to forget you, son. Don't you worry. And two years later, that call comes. Priscilla is invited to come and stay at Graceland, Elvis's mansion. And to assuage any lingering concerns from Captain and Mrs Beaulieu, once again, Elvis, E to his Memphis buddies, tells them not to worry about it. She's much more mature than her age. 21! 22. That's 22. You don't have to worry about it. And if you believe Priscilla, no creepy underage hanky-panky actually takes place, though weirdly Elvis and Priscilla did share a room for three years before he finally married her. Like Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette, it's the story of a young, naive girl lured into the lap of luxury and then left with nothing to do while her king goes off and does whatever kings do. I'm just going to miss you. Uh, I know, little one, uh... Well, just, uh, just, just give me a few weeks to get into this movie and then, I don't know, maybe you can come out for a while. I need you to keep the home fires warm. Now you be a good girl, and I'll call you when I get there, okay? 
Actually, we see very little of what Elvis does for a living, though he does occasionally complain about those cheesy movies he was forced to make. But he's absolutely at the beck and call of his sinister manager, the Colonel, who we also never see. What we do see is Elvis taking all that powerlessness out on Priscilla. Is there something you're hiding? I don't have a goddamn thing to hide. You have everything a woman could want. I want a life of my own. Elvis is played by Jacob L. Lordy, the former tough heir to Saltburn. At six inches taller than the real Elvis, Elordi towers over Kaylee Spaney as Priscilla in an alarming way. The real-life Priscilla Presley, who produced Priscilla, says he was the love of her life. But it's hard not to think of someone obsessively playing with a life-size Barbie doll here. Black hair and more eye makeup. I don't know if I like it. What do you mean you don't know if you like it? OK, it's everything you may have expected from a movie about Priscilla. The courtship bordering on grooming, the tacky glamour of Graceland, the king trapped by his celebrity. But it's somehow less. There's no music for a start. No Elvis music, that is, though there are plenty of anachronistic numbers from other people. You know, there's a lot of rumours about you. Is there anything to it? Oh, I need a woman who understands that things like this might happen. Are you going to be her or not? And without the music, we end up with very little idea of Elvis's life, though we follow Priscilla idly rattling around her Memphis mansion until she finally quits after 10 years of it. We're left guessing why she put up with it, or having put up with it, why she walked out. In Priscilla, like Graceland itself, perhaps, there's nothing at the heart of it. Ninth. Ninth what? Grade. That's <laughs> You're just a baby. Thanks. On the surface, Rice Boy Sleep seems to be another story we've heard many times before. The coming-of-age movie, a young boy with a solo parent. But like all potentially routine films, it's the detail that lifts it. Kim This is the story of a young Korean mother, So Young, who, after a series of misfortunes, takes off with her baby son to seek her fortune in Vancouver, Canada. Well, considering how small the Korean community is in Canada, it's interesting that Rice Boy Sleeps should come out at around the same time as another Canadian-Korean gem, Past Lives. Stuart Bosman. Here. Hi, Stuart. Nicole Bridges. Here. Dong Hoon. Kim. Uh, Dong? We meet So Young and five-year-old Dong Hyun on the boys' first day at a Canadian primary school. The usual first-day nightmare is amplified by his being the only Asian at the school and therefore an easy target. Hey, race boy, loser. Give me back. Tiger mother So Young's advice proves disastrously counterproductive. Hit back, she suggests. 
which means both she and the boy are dragged off to the principal's office. It's soon clear that the best thing to learn for both mother and son is how to fit into monocultural Vancouver. Why the other kids not in trouble? They be racist to him every day, teasing him to funny face. Mrs. Kim, and- please. In Canada, most young immigrants are encouraged to take a bland Canadian name like Kevin or Stanley or David. Dong Hyun is fine with that. He picks Michael Jordan and refuses to back down. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is not there. Why not there? David is not there. David is not there. Why not there? 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 In Act 2 of Rice Boy Sleeps, an older Dong Hyun, now David at his new school, is fitting in a lot better nine years on. There are certainly a lot more Asians than when he was picked on for eating rice at lunchtime. And he's becoming more interested in his Korean past. Why does his mother resist talking about his late father, he wonders? Mom? What's wrong with my dad? Was he nice? Was he smart? When? I'm too tired right now. Did he even know about me? Rice Boy Sleeps has been cunningly structured by writer-director Anthony Shim. We already know rather more than David about why So Young felt she couldn't stay in Korea. David is frustrated by his silence. He's trying to do a school project about his family history, a history his mother isn't ready to share. I want you all to build a family tree, but in this instance, I want you to use it to learn something about your family's history. So Young is making a new life for herself in Canada, including romance with another Canadian Korean, her nice boss Simon, played by Anthony Shim himself. The couple are drawn together not just by their Korean background, but by the fact that they were both adopted as children. All together. I can beat this. It's a way to beat this. I know it. I just, I, I know it. There are fascinating parallels and differences between the would-be couple. Both were orphaned, though Simon's adoption experience was rather more positive than So Young's. Simon feels himself entirely Canadian, while So Young is starting to be drawn back to her youth and career, even if it was far from ideal. So finally, in Act 3, So Young is driven to make a decision to take David back to Korea to find his roots and confront some unexpected family ghosts. Now, I can't really say much more, like last week's Japanese bonsai marvel Perfect Days and two other recent East Asian gems, Past Lives and Minari. You may have to take my word for what a delight Rice Boy's Sleeps is. Its strength is the three leads, not just the actress playing the mother and the two kids playing the boy, but the characters themselves. Yeah. 
시간이 너무 빨리 가. They're believable because they're so specific, but they're universal because you get them, you like them, and want what they want. It rests entirely on that well-worn idea, you need to know your past before you can make sense of your future, but it does it without sounding remotely preachy. Strongly recommended, in other words. She never stopped worrying for her son. There are two sorts of spy movie. There's the one with some sort of connection with real life, and there's the one that prefers stunts and gadgets, exotic locations, glamorous stars, and a story that makes no sense at all. Well, guess which one I like, and guess which one the producer-director of Argyle, Matthew Vaughan, prefers. I certainly hope you dance as well as you dress. There's only one way to find out. We meet super spy Argyle, played by the eternally wooden Henry Cavill, being seduced by the exotic pop star, model, whatever, Dua Lipa. Guns are produced and Argyle calls on his offsider, bodybuilder, wrestler, whatever, John Cena. You and I, we're not so different. Agent Argyle. Little help? Hold on. And then suddenly, all bets are off. Switch One kicks in as the action stops, and we cut to author Ellie Conway, played by the perfectly pleasant Bryce Dallas Howard. Do you get it? Argyle's a character in a book, and Ellie regularly gets offered advice by Mum, Catherine O'Hara. The book is phenomenal, sweetie, but... What happens next? It's called a cliffhanger, Mother. Ellie, it's called a cop-out. Our head's swimming. We catch a train with Ellie and her cat, Alfie. Come on, cats are cool. And on the train, she meets a lone stranger, lovable goof, Sam Rockwell. Stretching credibility even further, Sam's reading a book. An Argyle book. Whoa, hey, there's a cat in there. Oh, my God, you're Ellie freaking Conway. What are the chances? Well, slightly more than the next switch. Suddenly, Ellie is under attack by a troop of acrobatic assassins. But leaping to her aid, displaying a very particular set of skills, is Sam Rockwell. I am such a fan. Oh, yeah? What is it you do? Espionage. Would you sign my book? Here we go. I love this book. The fight ricochets all round the carriage until finally Sam grabs Ellie and Alfie the cat and parachutes off the train and into an exciting plot. What, if you're still paying attention, is going on? Come on. (laughs) 
time for Switch 3, in which it's discovered that Ellie's research into her Argyle spy stories is astonishingly true to life. So much so that an international spy ring wants to pick her brains, literally if necessary. Who can she trust? people. Real life spies. Why would they care about me? Because you're a goddamn fortune teller, Ellie. More to the point, can she even trust her own eyes? She keeps glancing in various mirrors or during fight scenes and seeing Henry Cavill giving her that earnest look that directors over the years have told him looks fascinating and intelligent. Who's the weirdo now? Not a real friend. Don't worry. I have it all under control. So now Ellie and the possibly too-good-to-be-true Sam Rockwell take off to, I don't know, Paris or an exotic island or Samuel L. Jackson's luxurious vineyard. And yes, Alfie the Cat comes too. Fun fact, Alfie is the property of the film's producer, former supermodel Claudia Schiffer, or Mrs. Matthew Vaughan as she's known to her postman. I want all assets on them now. I need her to write the next chapter. God, I hate that cat. As I said, there are two types of spy movies, smart ones and stupid ones. Fans of the smart ones are possibly asking, dear God, is Argyle really as stupid as you're making it sound? Yes, yes it is. And the less judgmental possibly only want to know how many more brilliant switcheroos there are to the plot. When you wrote your new book, actually happened, and you kicked a hornet's nest you didn't even know existed. I'm in some really big trouble, Mom. Oh, so now you're experimenting with drugs. Well, obviously I can't tell you that. Spoilers, of course. But I can tell you I lost count after too many. I should say I don't blame the two stars who do what they're told without complaint like the professionals they are. It's time for you to meet the real Agent Argyle. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Bills have to be paid. And if it takes the umpteen fight sequences Sam Rockwell has to master and the truly awful dress Bryce Dallas Howard finds herself stitched into before payday, then so be it. As for the movie itself, clearly Matthew Vaughan and Claudia Schiffer took the old quote about no one going broke underestimating the intelligence of the public at face value, to which I can only say there's a first time for everything. And on that reminder that it's not just all good things that come to an end, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.